On today's show, the Sixers start the season 0-2, and the fans in Philly are booing Joel Embiid already. Is it time to worry about the Sixers? Plus, a fun one in L.A. and our biggest overreactions from opening week. All of that and much more on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Lock NBA Friday, everybody, your daily podcast on the NBA, however you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Adam Mares. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're going to get to the uh, Clippers win over the Lakers and our biggest overreactions that might actually be true in a minute, but let's start in Philadelphia, where the Bucks beat the 76ers 90-88, to 88, and Giannis, Brooke Lopez, they look great, okay? Uh, but the story here is the 76ers, who got booed by their own fans in the second half. More specifically, mm. Joel Embiid. Who I was going to say, they weren't all booed. They weren't all booed. It was mostly Embiid. 15 points on 6 of 21 shooting overall, went scoreless uh, in the second half. 0 for 7, three turnovers in that second half. Uh, the 76ers, the winners of the offseason, Adam, the losers so far of the regular season starting 0-2. The question needs is is being begged, should we be worried about the Sixers? Um, I mean, sure. If you start 0-2, they were two good games, two tough teams. You're basically playing the teams you're going up against in the Eastern Conference. Um, so it's not horribly surprising. But at the same token, you don't want to go 0-2 to start your season. That's always bad. You always start from a little bit of a hole. Long term, I do think that there's going to be some bumps along the way. This is a new team. James Harden joined Joel Embiid's team last year. They combine, they both join a new team, a new iteration of this team now. And through two games, it really has looked like James Harden has been the one that's more comfortable with the new yeah. direction of the team. And it looks like Joel Embiid is the one who is maybe a little bit more uncomfortable with it. But I still think that the talent is there. And I think the other overarching thing I have now from watching two Philly games, but especially tonight, is that in Joel Embiid looks like he is in August shape. He doesn't look like he's in October shape. And I think that's part of why you saw those numbers you saw in the second half tonight. Completely flipped to James Harden and Joel Embiid. You're right. Harden's been awesome. That was one of the points I wanted to make. He's scoring 30-plus in each of the first two games. Uh, the assists are coming. Everything that you want to see from James Harden, you're seeing. Um, I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to say that we need to be worried because you lost a game against Boston and then you lose a game against Milwaukee. And I know that the Celtics had the ha the stuff happening with Ime Uduka, but it's the same team. New coach, uh, choose more gum, but same team. And <laughs> uh, and and look, the Sixers are a little bit different, but or, or, I'm sorry, the 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 Bucks. Are are basically the same. They they're they're missing Chris Middleton and stuff like that, but they know they're what they are. They have an identity, and it kind of feels like Philly is still trying to figure things out. Uh, defensively, they switched some things, and I think we saw that kind of, um, you know, we saw the ugly side of that at the end of that um, that that Bucks loss, where they just completely blew their defensive coverage on that West Matthews three pointer that ended up winning the game for Milwaukee, but. Um, I'm not. I'm not too concerned, just given the the, the competition that they faced in the opening week. We're just two arguably better teams, at least right now. 
Yeah, I mean, again, the only thing I will say is that James Harden has played on a couple of teams. He was in Oklahoma City early on in his career, and even then, it was so early in his career, there was two styles to that team, his style and the other guys' style, but it was so early in his career, let's throw it out. You go to Houston, he's the guy, everybody else is a satellite. You go to Brooklyn, and he did have some peaks there, he had some good moments, but most of the time... He prefers to have the ball in his hands. He prefers to play a certain style. Through two games, he has looked extremely comfortable. While I feel like Joel Embiid has looked extremely uncomfortable. So you're right that I think this is just growing pains of a new iteration of the 76ers. And I do think that this is a thing in six weeks it'll start to coalesce and you'll start to say, okay, both guys getting comfortable. But I think between now and that point, there's going to be a lot of rough patches as they both try to figure out and blend the two styles. And I wouldn't be surprised if you don't handle those situations well, which, by the way, Joel Embiid has not always handled situations well with clashes with teammates. James Harden has not always handled things well with clashes of teammates. So there's always a chance that this rocky patch, you don't get through it, not because you're not capable of it, but just because the personalities aren't willing to. There's definitely a chance, and and to your point, like that pick and roll that we kept citing all offseason, hey, 1.15 points per possession every time Joel Embiid and James Harden were involved in a pick and roll. That chemistry has not been there through two games. Like whatever it was that they found the spur of the moment last year after the trade deadline just doesn't exist right now. Maybe it's partly just because the offense is a little bit different. I think the defensive concerns were, were are to me the biggest issue right now happening in Philly. I mean, again, I'll go back to that last possession. Just allowing Wesley Matthews to get a clean three-point yeah. shot off uh that when you when when you're up two, it just that that to me was inexcusable. You've got Joel Embiid completely helping off of him, following Grayson Allen into the paint. I don't know. Joel yeah, Embiid is an experienced choice. defender. It was weird. And then you've got uh, Tobias Harris just forgetting to guard his man, Wesley Matthews, coming off of a screen and just completely loses him. These are guys who have been in this system for a long time, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. These are guys who have, have proven to be able to, and Joel Embiid, you know, an elite defender at times. Tobias Harris, solid, if not above average. Uh, and then just completely missing mm. their assignments. So I don't really know what was going on there. I, I think it's just on, on Embiid's end, and I think really on the defensive end, Embiid's just, I don't think, in great shape. I mean, he really wore down. And even tonight, late in the game, he got uh, Drew Holiday switched, or he switched out onto Drew Holiday in space. And usually you would think, you know, Drew Holiday's quick, but he's not dynamic. He doesn't have a lot of things on his offensive game. And he just blew right by him for a wide up for a layup, for a pretty simple layup. And you think, yeah. okay, Embiid, we know we've seen him be a better defender than that, but I do have to give to blocked my, by Brooke Lopez at the basket too. Got Brooke no Lopez tonight all. was incredible. Brooke he Lopez, was, but but Brooke, Brooke Lopez tonight, I know seventeen points, four rebounds, one assist, like two two block shots. But the defense he had on Joel Embiid in this game, I thought, was so impressive. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid got some stuff going on, you know, really early on. But after that, I just thought Brooke Lopez made him work for things. There was a couple stonewallings at the rim where he just guarded him extremely well. Embiid went down, you know, as he often does when he gets his shot blocked. He just falls for whatever reason. And I thought Brooke Lopez tonight kind of, I mean, you don't want to say like ate his lunch because, look, Joel Embiid's still the better player. But, I mean, he out... He did better, more than enough to make this a, a a win for Milwaukee tonight, eliminating what is one of the best big men in all the NBA. Another bad sign, too, is just Joel Embiid refusing to talk to reporters after the game tonight. This is mm. a player who tends mm. to like the reporter back and forth a little bit, usually. He kind of likes to do the whole media stuff, the, the whole media thing. That's never a good sign. And we're two games into the season, Adam. 
and you're already pulling the I'm not going to talk to reporters tonight kind of thing, you do get the feeling that something's a little off with him. I don't know if it's the conditioning, even though it does look like that. I, I have no idea what it is, but um, it doesn't it doesn't look good right now early for the Sixers, but I'm still it's I'm two trying games. not to overreact. It's two games against arguably the two best teams in the East. But I'm saying Embiid talks already to have reporters. more of an identity than you do. Talk to reporters. It's two games. Come on. What do you think people are going to say? It's two games. Any reporter like that booed. gives you the heat, it's like, come on, man. Come on. Why but we got to give Giannis a shout out. We got to give him a shout out because 21 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists, one steal, three blocks. I mean, that's a that's a Giannis stat line if I ever saw one. The uh, leader for MVP so far, Giannis. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe we're, we're going there already. already. Uh, he was well, a plus 13. Yeah, he was a plus 13, though, tonight, man, and and it, you felt it. Like, he came out of the game in that third quarter, or I don't remember if it was late third or early fourth. He came out for, I don't know, four minutes, and James Harden and the 76ers made an entire run. Really, the game came down to those few minutes he rested in the second half. Outside of that, I thought he dominated this game. He looked as good as ever, and uh, he, he's been very impressive. And Milwaukee's bench dominated Philadelphia's bench. Philly got, what, 13 points off of their bench. Uh, Milwaukee got, what is this, 15, 23, uh, like 29 points off of their bench. Mm. Um, again, I'll go back to what I said to start this. Philadelphia, winners of the offseason, the team that added all these guys, <laughs> Daniel <laughs> House, Montrez Harrell, all these, uh, DeAnthony Melton, all these guys. DeAnthony Melton gave you nine off the bench, but like other than that, you didn't really get a whole lot, so... All these offseason moves that Philadelphia made, not exactly paying dividends yet, but maybe no. it's just ones that take a little bit of time. Um, we're going to talk about the Lakers and the Clippers. Lakers, just like the Philadelphia 76ers, starting their season 0-2. That one was maybe a little bit more expected, but we will discuss whether or not we worried about the Lakers and what we thought about our first look at this version of the Clippers next. But first, this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your... Number one source for betting football and for the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, Golf, and the NBA. Looking ahead to tonight, uh, Friday night, the Pelicans. Six-point favorites in Charlotte. I don't think you could give the Pelicans too many points for this one, Adam. Give me the Pelicans tonight. Mm. Only six in Charlotte. The Hornets stink. The Pelicans are <laughs> awesome. Give me the Pelicans. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's bet online where the game starts. All right, back here with Locked On NBA. Um, we're going to get to our overreactions that might be true later on in the show, but first. The Lakers keep it close, but fall to the Clippers 103 to 97. LeBron had 20, 10, and 6. Anthony Davis had 25 and did have a little bit of an injury scare there, but did make it back to the court <laughs> to finish the game. Uh, Lonnie Walker, hello, scores 26 points. Uh, but those three didn't get much help outside of them. The Lake, the Clippers, meanwhile, had six different players score in double digits, including one Kawhi Leonard, who had 14 points in mm. 21 minutes coming off the bench, Adam. Uh, do you have 14 a, or do you have 11? My box score is saying 11. I, am I wrong here? Kawhi Leonard. Oh, no, you're right. 14. 14, 14. 7, 2, and 1. Wow. Came off the bench as he's nursing uh, this injury that he's coming back from. that kept him out of all of last season. But uh, which LA teams did you find the most interesting and want to talk about? Well, first of all, this is the reason I must be dyslexic because I see Kawhi Leonard and Luke Kennard, which 
the same Easily letters confused. rearranged in different no, order. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, in a lineup, so, you couldn't even tell the difference. So, <laughs> so it's a little tough. Um, what, 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 what did you ask me? I'm sorry, I got distracted by words. Who stood out? <laughs> Just which LA team did you find more interesting tonight? The Lakers or the Clippers? We could do Lakers drama, or we could do Clippers. Oh you know, no, basketball I mean, come on. talk. By far, it was the Clipper. I mean, the Lakers are uninteresting. <laughs> They're wholly uninteresting. You just tell that to TNT that put them on there. Put Reggie yeah, Miller and Harlan on their broadcast twice in one week. And, uh, and you mentioned Lonnie Walker's 26 points like it was interesting. I mean, somebody has to score points there. But I, w- I want to start with the Clippers oh, and start with Kawhi Leonard, who came back, yeah. and it was really cool tonight. He gets the ball. First first play in. He grabs a rebound, goes coast to coast, gets that little mid-range. Just classic Kawhi Leonard. Next play, he gets another mid-range, and you're thinking, oh, my God, this guy wasted no time. He looked like a robot you know, that had been turned on for the first time in two years. He goes out there and he immediately gets to, gets to work. He did have some up and down moments, though. He cooled off a little bit after that. But the thing that stood out to me, you know, they talk about he's added some weight. He He's always been one of the strongest wing players, if not the strong. You know, we got LeBron and then maybe him next. Right. And tonight he looked like it. He had a couple possessions, loose ball, going through traffic, going through guys. They just bounce off him. Loose ball, 50-50 ball. Just rips him out of, that, out, of, out of everybody else's hands. To me, you know, he looked like a guy that had missed a lot even though he still has that technical perfection to his game. But just the strength that he's added was very noticeable to me. I'm with you on the offensive end. I noticed it. Um, and uh, it, But there were times when he was without the ball, trying to get in position, and Russell Westbrook was just bodying him up, and that was sort of late in the game. You wonder if just, okay, this is why they've sort of managed the minutes as the game went on. Maybe he lost a little bit of gas. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I agree with your point. Like, he looks... Awesome. The broadcast started talking about whether or not the adding of the weight was a bad thing and it would affect the knee in some sort of negative way. Good. I, I, I guess, but he's not like, we're not talking about a seven foot center here right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't really know if that's going to matter for a wing, like Kawhi being 225 versus 235. I don't, I don't know how much that's going to matter, but I, I don't know. I don't know. That I don't, it's tough to say. I will say he carries a lot of his weight in his lower body, and that's the thing yeah. that stood out to me is he just had – I mean, he looked really wide hips, big, strong legs, and he was great. And those plays you're referencing, I thought they were great defensive plays by Russell Westbrook, two in a row yeah. to sort of deny the entry pass into the post, to, coupled with really bad uh, entry passes. That's that right. Lend they were. To be intercepted. Uh, can we talk about John Wall? Are we at the point in the podcast yeah. where we get – he looked good. He it was nice to see him out there. 15 points on 15 shots in 25 minutes, four <laughs> rebounds, three assists. He had a seal. Um, he looked fast. Yeah. He was pushing the pace in transition. Uh, you know, when the Clippers uh, acquired John Wall, one of the big things that they wanted to do was be able to create pace opportunities there where you get a defensive rebound, you're able to push the pace, you're able to find guys, you know, because Paul George and Kawhi are so meticulous and a little bit more slow in the pace that they play with. You want to find some ways to just kind of get some A to B kind of speed there. I thought John Wall gave them uh, that tonight in spurts. That was nice. Yeah, I mean, he does, he, that's, he's going to bring that every single night, that speed, you know, and, yeah. and he's dynamic. He did hit a mid-range jumper that was extremely timely late in the game. I, what was interesting to me was he closed, you know, you had Luke Kennard, um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then Zubats there. And that's one of the things that's interesting to me. There's just so many players on this roster finding out what's going to be their closing lineup. Was that because... John Wall had it going a little bit more than Reggie Jackson tonight. Like, what, what were all the reasons? Norman Powell, uh, Robert Covington. I think I want to see how Ty Lue handles that. Do you consistent rotation? Do you have a consistent clutch lineup? Or do you kind of mix and match as, as you feel? And, and how does a team handle that? A lot of coaches prefer to have their five guys that know they're playing. Maybe you have one variable. 
for me, the Clippers have two guys that are going to be there, Kawhi, obviously, and, and Paul George, and everybody else is interchangeable, and that'll be an interesting dynamic. Box score reading is never good radio, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's going to prove a point. All right, so I mentioned like the six players who were in double digit, uh, double digits for the Clippers. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell people who they are. Marcus Morris, 14 points. Ivaka Zubac, 14 points. Paul George, 15 points. Kawhi had 14 points. John Wall, like I said, 15 points. And then Luke Kennard, 11 points. In addition to that, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different players playing at least 20 minutes. So yeah. the, the the minute distribution is so evenly spread. I mean, you had Paul George playing 36 minutes, Zubac playing 35 minutes. Outside of that, nobody even came close to 30 minutes, including uh, Kawhi, who only had the 21 minutes. You imagine as he gets healthier, he'll be closer to where Paul George is. Um, but to your point, yeah. I, I still think there's so much mixing and matching here, and you can kind of play the hot hand a little bit. I I was a little surprised that Zubac was in to close games. I, I think they just liked the matchup with him and Anthony Davis. They, they they weren't scared that Anthony Davis was going to take advantage of that. Zubac, you could argue, even outplayed AD in certain points of the scheme, even though I thought AD had a nice game outside of being injured um, for a little bit there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're right. It's Kawhi when he's healthy. It's Paul George. Um, it's probably going to be one of Reggie Jackson or John Wall. And then, and then whatever assortment of wings have the hot hand, I guess, yeah. is the way to go. I, and it's um, interesting that Kawhi played 21 minutes because I don't think he checked in until about six minutes left in the second quarter. So I think, yeah, it, if I'm not mistaken, so it was a lot of 21 of the last 30 something minutes that you know and started the second half, right? Kawhi did. So yeah, it was just, it was strange. It kind of it's felt a strange like, rotation. It, yeah. it felt like the entire rotation was based on just getting a feel for Kawhi and how's he yeah. and, and feeling him out and then just sort of building the rotation, you know, as the game went on. Um, that's you want to talk about the Lakers a little bit here. I just want to say this nine of 45 from the three point line tonight, 20, only nine made threes on 40. First of all, I don't know what's a more shocking number that they, they made only nine or that they took 45. I mean, 45 is a, is a, a big number for a team that can't yeah. shoot. And then you had a lot of offers. You had Russell Westbrook. First of all, Oh, for 11 tonight, overall Oh, for six from the three point line, Kendrick, Nunn, Oh, for four Austin oh for one uh you, you know you just had some guys that were not making shots tonight and I think that's going to be yeah. the status quo for for the you mentioned the, the 45 threes that they took Damian Jones getting in on the party taking a three-pointer what's going on with that I don't why I mean why man he's got as good a chance as any <laughs> I guess I mean I think, by the statistics he does um look they the Lakers I thought did everything other than the three-point shooting they didn't turn the ball over, right? You, you compare this game to the Golden State game to start the season for them, right? Where they were yeah. turning the ball over. They weren't defending at all at, very much against the Warriors. And they obviously weren't making any shots. LeBron saying that famously after the game. Tonight, it was a little bit different, right? They, tur they kept turnovers low, just nine turnovers in this game. I thought they defended pretty well overall. And then uh, there was at least effort on that end. And I thought they had, like, really nice stretches of playing good defense. But, and, and I guess they're the reason to take 45 shots is, Hey, if we're, we're not going to make a high percentage, let's just take a bunch of them just so that we can start spamming the three point line and just try to get some of these things to fall at this point. I guess it's like a numbers game. They're treating the three point line. Like it's Tinder at this point. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> I, maybe that's the logic there, but it, how many three, like they have to take 53s to make 10 of them. That's a really bad percentage. It's really, it's really bad. It's really bad. The one, 
I mean, the note you, you mentioned Anthony Davis. I thought up and down, like he had spectacular. I mean, Anthony Davis can be spectacular in his great moments, but there's also a lot of moments where you're just kind of like, that's your moment. They're like, come on, make the play, come up with that one. There was a play late where he missed a shot at the rim and ran, kept running past the stanchion. And it led, I believe, to Luke Kennard three. And that's one of those plays where you're thinking, you didn't need to run those extra 10 steps. Just you missed the layup, get back, and don't give up the wide open mid range jumper that you gave up there. So there were just too many plays like that that were frustrating. But I will say this LeBron James played 37 minutes tonight. He only shot seven of 17, but he, again, wasn't a perfect game. But he just still has flashes where you go, is that the best player in the world? Uh, and, and again, that block that he had at the rim there, and it was just, there's just he had a couple of them. Had, yeah, I, I think I thought he had a couple of a, a couple of these big time plays tonight at the rim. But 20 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, one steal, two blocks. Didn't shoot the ball well, as I mentioned, but he still looks so strong, quick, able to get to the rim. And I mean, he's got to be in hell. This is the worst constructed LeBron right. lineup we've seen probably since it's I don't know 2006. It's a prison of his own making, but can we please oh, yeah. free LeBron James? Free Le- hashtag free LeBron at this point. It's just, it's it's a shame to to see him waste away these years. Whatever he's got left here, eh, it seem like I don't, I don't, I don't mind. You it. don't care. I don't. Whatever. <laughs> um, our opening week overreactions are next, uh, and after you listen to this show, make sure you listen to Game to Game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game by subscribing to Locked On NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. It is Friday, which means we are counting down to the weekend with our weekly power rankings. Adam, what are we doing today? Well, in the spirit, you know, every team's played uh, other than the 76ers who've now played twice. So naturally, we might as well predict the rest of the season. We've seen enough. We've seen enough from everyone. We got the sample size we need. We got the sample size we need. We might as well go ahead and get into some major overreactions. That I might kind of believe. Okay. Like, is it okay Overreactions that could be true. Like they could it. be true. I'm just saying they could be true. Um, the this is the I have one honorable mention. It's because we already talked about the 76ers. I wanted to keep it in here, but. You know, this Joel Embiid not talking to the media, game number two, Harden looking like an MVP. If you wanted to do the MVP ladder right now, I know they're 0-2, so we can't do it because of their record, Wes. The record, we can't do it. But James <laughs> Harden has looked like his old MVP self. Yeah. Joel Embiid, nowhere near the MVP conversation at the moment. My My honorable mention take here is that Joel Embiid is going to demand a trade at some point this season. Here's the thing. Here's the kicker. He will ultimately rescind it. I think that this is going to simmer right up to a boil, maybe pass to a boil for a brief minute, and then you cool things off. It's funny that you bring that up because we're not that far removed from people wondering if Joel Embiid was going to ask for a trade when all this stuff with Ben Simmons and then everything was going on with that. Like, Is he just going to get over it at that point and then Mm -hmm. possibly ask for a trade? I think there might have been some front offices even asking themselves, hey, is this a guy that we might want to target as the next disgruntled superstar? Um, I love it as an overreaction. So in this hypothetical, do we find out in the media about this trade request or is this something that happens behind closed doors and we never know about it? Oh, no, we hear about it, of course. Are you kidding me? I mean, you have to understand something. Two years ago when they flamed out in the playoffs, Joel Embiid had no problem saying it's Ben Simmons' fault. I mean, he basically said that. He's my yeah. teammate. And look, we all – I think it went under you – know, 
Well, we kind of swept it under the rug. Ben Simmons' fault. He was right. But he still was willing to throw a teammate under the bus like that. Last year, kind of threw James Harden under the bus. Yep. Joel Embiid is not – I'm not trying to say like this is like – he's not the only player to have done this. I'm just saying it, it's not out of um, – I don't want to say out of character, but it wouldn't be out of the norm for him to go ahead and say something like this and say, hey, I want out. So to me, I think it simmers to a boil. I think Daryl Morey does works his magic and and – Gets it to simmer down, and then ultimately, I think those two find a way to mesh. So you heard it here first, Philadelphia fans. Stop booing your best player. <laughs> yeah, don't boo your best player. He's sensitive, guys. Yeah, um, he's never helps himself the process. He's never been booed like that. Um, all right, number five. Here's the real one. Okay, LeBron James looks good. I think <laughs> I'm I'm watching way. LeBron right now, and I'm wondering what is he playing for? Like, what is he? He's in L.A. He signed this deal. Okay. Clearly, they don't look like they can compete. Like, say what you will, they don't look like a team move away from winning a championship. They look so far away. So I start to think, what are LeBron's actual goals right now? Because he's not dumb. He knows this. Pass Kareem, we all know that, and extend his career as long as it can. I think he's going to pass Kareem's record this year, sometime in January or February. Then I think he's going to shut it down for the year. I think hamstring here. There's going to be a little bit of a quad strain here, a little hip strain. And I think we might – it'll remind me almost of the Lonzo Ball year, his first year yeah. in L.A. where he say, He's already done this. He's already, he's done, already done it before. once. It's not a it's like, we're almost it's at almost, the end. It'd be almost weird if he didn't do this. It would be, he's already <laughs> done it. It's part of, it's, it's part of the M.O. Um, look, uh, <laughs> like I, I just said – I. He probably does do that. I mean, um, you might think, the only thing is, like, I don't see him asking for a trade. His son is in high school. No. He's in L.A. for all of these different – because usually that would be the move. You know, maybe like then you get to the trade deadline and say, hey, I want out of this. But I just think, you know what, this year's shot. I'm not going to ruin my body. I, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to play five, six more years. Yeah. He's already, like – you could see the body language stuff already coming. The LeBron body language stuff, when you know that he's already upset with his teammates right. – you could just tell. And there was a moment there in the fourth quarter against the Clippers where he was he was actually playing really hard defensively. And I'm not saying his teammates weren't, but they were also sort of screwing up a little bit. The Clippers missed a shot. Uh, it went through like three. It, LeBron was on one side of the rim. The ball rebounded off the other side of the rim, where the, the side opposite LeBron was standing. Went through like three different Lakers players' arms and back into the clip. And, and the Clippers got an offensive rebound. And he just sinks his shoulders and does the LeBron thing. And there was a few different moments like that where he's just looking around. And he's like, "I, what am I supposed to do with this? He's already talk, He's already calling on his team after one game saying, we can't shoot, which is true, which almost makes it more sad. And uh, so we were already seeing the body language stuff coming up where it's typically yeah. when LeBron starts to shut down. This happened in Cleveland. Bad body language. He shuts it down a little bit, goes on a two-week vacation to who knows where. And the next thing you know, at the trade deadline, they flip over half the roster. This is yeah. what they do. That is what they do. Number four for me, Paolo Bancaro's got to win the Rookie of the Year award in a landslide. We did I this like last it. week where we talked about good rookies, you know, and like you got to eliminate one, and oh, this is hard. If you told me you only had to keep one, I've seen enough. What did he have? Like 27, 8, 5. I mean, he Has did it been a little, done since LeBron. I mean, he had a little bit of everything. His game is just so mature. Like he still has a long, you know, it's not yeah. perfectly polished, but for it's like further along than most players, um, just in terms of all the footwork, all the technique, the passing, the vision, the understanding of the game. I just think he's a really, really good player, and I would not be surprised if he put up some pretty eye-popping numbers. 
I love Palo. I'm a big fan. I'm buying all the Palo stock that I can find. Uh, it's weird when we're we're so removed from the NBA draft, but we remember in the lead up, everybody was like, "Well, maybe it's maybe it's Chet, maybe it's Jabari, right. maybe." And Palo was just sort of sitting there, and the Magic were like, "We're taking Palo," and everybody was super surprised when they ended <laughs> yeah. up taking Palo. And then you watch this stuff. I mean, I know Chet is hurt, and Jabari yeah, yeah. kind of had an up and down summer league, but it's so clear that Palo is the best one right out the gate. Yeah. Whoever has the best career, who knows? But um, I love. Him. Yeah, he's really good. My, I'm trying to go in order of spiciness here. I'm going to go with this next one. Jason Tatum is going to win the scoring title this year. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else. I got even more of a reaction. I think yeah. he's winning MVP, Adam. That's what, yeah, that's what you think. But, I mean, that's too spicy. You're overreacting. Come on, Wes. It's only been one game. What are you doing? Calm down. He's only scoring. winning the scoring title. All right. Scoring title, I like it. Why? He scored he averaged 30 points per game after the All-Star break last year. Yeah. You know, you go from a team last year that obviously was just fantastic defensively. I think they're going to be fantastic defensively this year. But I just wonder if there's a little more freedom. I watch a guy play, he looked a little more polished, a little more confident as a volume scorer, and I just wonder if they're going to be a little more offensive minded this year and in particular a little more player friendly. And he looked to me like a guy that was ready to have his 30 point per game season. What are the odds on uh, the scoring title here? Um, trying to find them really quick. I can't find them, but uh, I like it. I like it. Um, um, all right, number two. Number two. The Pelicans are hosting at least one round of the playoffs. At least one round of the playoffs this year. Now you're talking my language. Let's go. <laughs> and it's because I, of my guy, Herb Jones. No, I'm kidding. I mean, it, in part, he's very good. Yeah. <laughs> he's very good. Talk about odds. Plus, last I checked, he's plus four thousand for Defensive Player of the Year. That's that's a little Man. tasty, right there. You sp sprinkle that a little bit, see what happens. Um, yeah. The Pelicans looked awesome. Everybody was so excited to see Zion, obviously, come back in their opening game against the Brooklyn Nets. And Zion was part of the show. He scored whatever it was, twenty-five points, something like that. Um, but you got great contributions from Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum. Herb Jones's defense was just off the chain. It was so yeah. good. Just, you know, some getting around screens that he has no business getting around, staying yeah. on top, staying in front of Kevin Durant. And just as a team, they looked so good. Defensively, I was really impressed with them. And I just it was it was kind of overwhelming to see them just completely obliterate the Brooklyn Nets. And they just looked more organized, they looked more talented across the board. They looked awesome. I'm having a hard – I mean, the Ingram and, and Zion both looking great. That was one of my big questions. Is it going to be one of those teams where only one of them looks good? Um, no, they both looked great. I think that team just looks – they're in a healthy spot. And Zion, you can overread into this. If all the other indicators weren't good, I wouldn't even mention it. But Zion just has had a different presence to him this year. Uh, open and thoughtful with the media. He seems joy and, and togetherness. He just seems to be excited to be a part of this group. And that was my biggest question. So – I'm buying the Pels. But, you know, Wes, it's so hard when you see one team that's really, you know, that just stomps another one in the first game because you wonder, is it because this team is good or that team's bad? I think it's both. And that's why my number one high after one game is that Kevin Durant is going to be traded. He is going to be traded, and maybe sooner rather than later. The Pelicans look great. The Nets look terrible. Let's end the charade. Yes, he signed <laughs> to a long-term deal, but I think they're going to come to a point. Maybe that point is January. Maybe it's December. Maybe it's February. But they're going to come to a point that says, we can hold on to this guy for three years, and all three years are going to be miserable. Or we could try to trade him now and just start something over. Yeah. The, the choice will be obvious. I'm taking Kevin Durant to be traded, and 
I think it's going to be the biggest story of the season because wherever he lands, that team throws their hat in the ring for the for being a contender. Um, that is very spicy, and of all the ones, while it might be the spiciest, it also might be the most plausible <laughs> and likely to happen, right? Right. Because I just I I can't help but watch that Brooklyn Nets team. And look, this isn't new. They've been kind of doing a version of whatever this thing is for a few years now they just look so disorganized it doesn't seem like they have any sort of system i watching that uh pelicans nets game i watched the replay of it this morning and i had in my notes like the pelicans defense looks great like i just said but i also like the nets are doing them a favor by just not knowing what to do and just having no plan on offense they just they come down i understand that they're hoopers i understand that katie can hoop i understand that Kyrie is a hooper i understand there's hoopers and they hoop i get it <laughs> But at some point, you need some sort of offensive plan because they just bring the ball up and they kind of look around and like, you want to set a screen for me? Okay, just like a little one, though. And then you just go around this half-set screen and then you just dribble into some sort of 18-footer. And sometimes it works because you got KD and Kyrie, but you just it, it they make it so much harder for themselves than it needs to be. And I don't really know why. And I don't know how you fix that because it's just not been fixable for now four years now. And one of the questions this season, we got this Victor W. fella who's an all-time prospect. Brooklyn owns their own draft pick. I'm just saying, would they rather be a play-in team and get swept again, which is what they look like. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of time. I'm just extrapolating the season from what I've seen so far and what we've seen over the summer and back to last year. Would you rather be an eight seed or a seven seed? Or maybe, who knows, you luck up and get a six seed. Would you set the clock and try to get this Victor W. fella and, and start over? They have some pieces. I don't know that you can move every single one of them. What's the market for Ben Simmons? What's the market for Kyrie Irving? Uh, who knows? No market for Ben Simmons. Maybe a little, and not really one for Kyrie. There's not really one for Kyrie either. But I mean, again, is that team going to win? Maybe you just play him until you lose, and then this summer there's something. But I think with Kevin Durant, you look at that and go, of course, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. Is he mercurial? Of course. Teams take it's a risk to bring him into their culture, but he's still a great player, and every team in the NBA would be willing to take a swing on him. So that's the piece. Keep Ben Simmons and, and Kyrie Irving take for Victor W. <laughs> that's that's the plan. That's what I learned from one game. From one game, Wes. Good overreactions. Uh, we will continue to have our countdowns to the weekend as the season goes on. Uh, remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes and the NBA's top stories every day until next Friday. You can find me over at Locked on Heat and Adam over on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen today.